All right. Well, we are continuing our study through the book of Genesis. And um, so we are in Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. But before I read, I would just like to pray and just commit, commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are God and you are in control. We thank you for the work that you're doing in each of our lives. And we thank you. Thank you for the incredible privilege it is of being able to gather together here um, to worship you and to, as the early church did, to devote ourselves to the teaching of your word to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And um, so, Father, we ask that now as we open up your word and, and we read a portion of your word that can be difficult to, to hear, um, we thank you, though, that in your wisdom and in your sovereignty, you don't skim over things and you include it in your word, and we know that it is profitable for us. And so I pray that in a mighty way that your spirit would move and you will use this um, to encourage our hearts and disperse on towards love and good deeds. Uh, Father, I ask that any... Uh, that anything that is not of you would be prevented from being said and that your word would resonate in our hearts. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off by just mentioning that the passage we're about to read is a it's a um, it's a sobering passage of scripture. In fact, when uh, I was at Bible school, there was a, an older gentleman and he was very godly and he loved the Lord. Um, and he had been walking with the Lord for many years and he taught us the book of Genesis um, from Genesis chapter 13 till the end. Um, but when it came to the book, uh, to chapter 19, he actually, um, he, he skipped it because it was just, it was, his, his heart was just so um, sensitive to the realities that are, are included in this portion of scripture. And it wasn't because he didn't believe that it, it wasn't important. It was just, um, it's a, it's, a, it's a serious passage of scripture. And, and I just want to acknowledge that before we get started with it. Um, but in our commitment to go through the book of Genesis, I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God um, has inspired this portion of scripture and that it's important for us to learn what it is that the Lord wants us to learn from this passage. And so, with that being said, we will read the first 11 verses of Genesis chapter 19. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, Please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, no, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. 
Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Matthew, chapter 24, our Lord speaks to us and he shares with the disciples about signs of the end of the age. And I I, want to pick up in verse 3. It says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And then this is the the key verse that I want us to hone in on here. In verse 12. And because lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Verse 12, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Our Lord Jesus gave a warning to his disciples and and a warning to us to the effect that when you see lawlessness increasing in the society around, it has an effect and an influence Upon believers, upon those who are born again. And, and, and even if the, the believer isn't necessarily taking a part in all of the wickedness and all of the lawlessness, the lawlessness that surrounds can, ends up seeping in with the result that. The love that once had burned brightly and warmly and strong in the core of that person becomes cold. It's like we would be here in the middle of church in the winter time and it's 20 below outside. And someone comes and gets a shovel of snow, opens up the fireplace, and puts the snow 
And that which was once warm and brought light and heat becomes cold. Lot's life is an illustration to us of someone whose love had grown cold because of the influence of the lawlessness that surrounded him. Lot's life is is an illustration to us of what it's like for a believer, someone who is born again, living in an evil and a wicked society who, as he went along with it, the, the influence of that wickedness and that evil that surrounded him caused his love to grow cold. There are many people who would read the account of Lot's life and they would think, well, there's absolutely no way that Lot could be born again, could be saved. Because his life was so caught up in the wickedness around, but in the book of 2 Peter, the Holy Spirit through Peter tells us in chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, righteous Lot. So, so Lot was righteous. Mean, meaning he was right with God. And we know that his righteousness came by faith. Because earlier in chapter 15, it highlighted that Abraham believed God and he was accounted righteous. So in the same way, at one point in Lot's life, he had trusted in God's provision. He had believed God and he had been declared right before God. Righteous. But when we consider some of the things that we just read here in Genesis chapter 19, it's it's hard for us to think of someone who is right with God acting in some of the ways that Lot acts. So for us to just summarize what we just read here in the first 11 verses of, of Genesis chapter 19, here is Lot... Out at the city gate in Sodom, which as we will consider here in a minute, shows that he was actually in a place of authority in the, in the city of Sodom. He was a ruler, he was a judge. And here comes the two angels. He bows down to them. And he invites them to come to his home, but they refuse. They say, no, we'll just stay the night here in the town square. And so Lot presses and says no, because he understands the danger that they would be in. It was kind of like when my wife and I lived in South Africa in Johannesburg. There was one particular area of the city called Hillbrow. And everyone knew that that was not a safe place. I mean, there was... Plenty of other places like that. But it was like, if you were going to be there at night, you were going to be mugged. You could be killed. I mean, it's just whatever. It was an unsafe place. And, and Lot knew that about the town square of Sodom. And so he pushed them and he pressed them. And so finally they give, give in. He makes them a meal. And then right before they go to sleep, All of the men of the city, both young and old, come knocking on the door and say, bring out those men to us. Utter wickedness. But you know what's crazy? Is how Lot responded. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me send them out to you and you can do with them what you want. Now this is a righteous man speaking. 
That's crazy. And thankfully, the Lord had the angels step in because when the men of Sodom saw that Lot wasn't as wicked as they were, even though he was wicked, it wasn't enough. They were coming to, really, they they would have murdered him. And if it wasn't for the angels stepping in, that would have been the end of Lot's life. But how in the world did Lot get to such a place? His life had become influenced so much by the wickedness that surrounded him that his love had grown cold. His his love for the Lord and his love for others, even his love for his own daughters, had grown cold. This serves as a warning to us. It serves as a warning to those who are right with God, those who are believers, that if we allow it to, and if we don't fight against it, the wickedness that surrounds us, the wickedness that Mr. Jerry prayed about and and highlighted can influence our lives so that our love can start to grow cold as well. And, And my prayer is that as we study and as we think about this passage, that instead of it being something that leads to us having our love grow cold, that this will be a challenge to pursue the Lord in a deeper way and ask Him to fan into flame our love for Him and for others. See, increasing lawlessness causes love to grow cold. Turn from that pitfall and pursue love. Verses 1 through 3, we see that increasing lawlessness causes love for the Lord to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and pursue love for the Lord. And then in verses 4 through 11, we see that increasing lawlessness causes love for others to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and pursue love for others. First of all, increasing lawlessness causes love for the Lord to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and pursue love for the Lord. Verse 1, it says, The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. In a similar way that in chapter 18, it highlights that the two angels came to Abraham. There's a contrast here, though. For Abraham, who was in his tent in chapter 18, the two angels were accompanied by a third person. It was the Lord himself who had taken on flesh. So we are given a clue here that when these angels came to Lot, there was a certain sense in which there had been a strain in Lot's relationship with the Lord. One commentator mentions only the two angels visited Lot, for the Lord could not fellowship with Lot and his family as he did with Abraham and Sarah. Even though Lot was a believer, his life was such that the Lord did not feel at home with him. Well, well, how did he get to this? How did he get to this point? It says that he was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Which once again, that highlights that he was in a, a place of official rulership and judgment in that 
city. And we know that from the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 1, where it was at the gate of the city where people would come together and they would have their cases judged and there would be official um, judgments that were were made from the elders who were providing leadership in that city. So, so Lot was in an influential place in Sodom. But he didn't start there. If we remember back in Genesis chapter 13, verses 10 through 11, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered, Everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, and the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. So he saw the wealth of, of Sodom, and he coveted it. He envied it. And The whole downward spiral that Lot took began with an inward desire and attitude for something that he didn't have. And so he chose it. But then it's interesting because it just, it didn't remain just a desire in his heart. It led to an action. And right off the bat, he didn't even move into the city. Verse 12 through 13, it says, Lot's uh, from Genesis 13, it says, Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. So he was still living in the tent, but he didn't live inside the city. But he was taking a step closer to it. And then finally, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 12, It highlights for us that Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions, and and they went their way. So it started by seeing something that wasn't his, having an envious heart towards it, coveting it, taking a step in the direction of moving close to it, and then he ended up inside the city. And then today's passage, it highlights that once in the city, he had been there long enough where now he was part of the leadership of that city. There was a progression. It didn't just happen overnight. This highlights for us the the truth that is laid out in the book of Psalms chapter 1. In Psalm chapter 1 it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So it's a progression There's a difference between walking with someone, standing with them, and then sitting with them. There's a progression in comfortability. And and this, really, is what happens to an addict. Very few people become addicted right away. It may start, so let's say, someone who becomes a sex addict. Very few people just wake up one morning and they're they're addicted in all of this way. But it starts first off by just seeing an image. And then you keep coming back to it and you you become... Familiar with it, and it starts to get a hold of your life. And then finally, you get into the point where you're so immersed in it, you're in chains to the point where you start influencing others to go down that same path. And that's the way of sin in our life. Many preachers have said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. 
And I think all of us, to a one degree or another, can, can attest to that fact that there's been times where we've given into temptation and before long, it seems to overpower us. And there's just no way out of it. And what life's, Lot's life highlights for us is the steps that happen for him to get to this place When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. Once again, this contrasts when the angels and the Lord came to Abraham because Abraham welcomed them and he said, Come and and let me feed you. And they, they were excited to, to receive his service and that fellowship. But with Lot, they actually said no. There had become such a distance in Lot's relationship with the Lord that it had brought about this strain. Verse 3, but he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Once again, in contrast to chapter 18, where Sarah was the one who cooked the bread, and Abraham went and did whatever he could to provide this feast, Lot did what he could, and his wife was nowhere to be found. There was a strain, and in a very real sense, it showed that any love for the Lord that he had, had really become cold. The wickedness and the evil that surrounded him had influenced his life in a powerful way that now when these angels come, there's even a strain in this relationship. So let me just ask the question for us. We're all aware that we live in a time where there's a lot of evil that's happening and being perpetrated all around us. And and in fact, all of the wickedness that was found within Sodom which we've considered in the past how they were unhospitable and they were selfish and they had all of, all of this wealth, but they, they weren't acknowledging the Lord or giving Him thanks. And then all that fo- flowed down from that, 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 that is evident in our land. The envy and the, and the murderousness and the homosexuality and all of this, we see that in our land And all of the different sins that were true in Sodom and Gomorrah, we can find them right here on our phones. And and there's times where even when we aren't looking for it, there's different things that will pop up on our phones and we become aware of evil things. And the evil one is trying to influence us. And it's coming at us from all sides. And, and what can happen to us as believers, even if we just watch the news and we hear about some of the things that are happening, all of this wickedness that is out there can start influencing us and our love for the Lord can start to grow cold. Just like Lot, whose soul was vexed by the things that he saw and heard, We, in our hearts and in our lives, all of this stuff can press down on us and it can weigh us down. And the love that we once had for the Lord can start to grow cold. I've experienced it. And and I would say that probably each of us who know and love the Lord have experienced that in our lives. 
And that's what our Lord Jesus warned of us about in Matthew 24. Because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. So let me just ask the question, how is your love for the Lord right now? How, how is my love for the Lord right now? It, is there a deep affection? Is there a certain sense in which we, we understand that we have fellowship with the Lord? That, that we, we long to spend time with Him reading His Word? That we long to be together with the family of God and to worship Him? Or has it started to, started to be cold? And, and, and if we're at that point, what I want to encourage and challenge you with is you can't just will yourself into loving the Lord more. The way that we love the, the Lord more is by meditating on His love for us. In the book of 1 John Chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love because He first loved us. Our love for the Lord only comes as a response to His great love for us. And, and here's good news. He loves us. He loves us. And God demonstrated His love for us that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took upon himself all of our wickedness, all of our sin, all of the coldness of our heart. And he took it upon himself. He paid the price self-sacrificially. He died. He was buried. He rose to life. And now all who turn to him in repentance and faith are born again who turn from trusting that their sin is okay, can look to Him and experience His love. And the more that we remind our hearts of His great love for us, the more it fans into flame a deeper love for Him. To know that all of the wickedness and the evil that surrounds, that influences us and causes our heart to grow cold was placed upon Him and the wrath of God was poured out on Him. So, to fight back against the, the, the influence of the lawlessness around us, remind your heart every day of God's love. Remind your heart of the gospel. And then respond. And trust and in faith. And let that warm your heart towards God. For a deeper love. And secondly... Continue to meet together with other believers and encourage one another. Continue to gather together here on Sunday on the Lord's Day. Because there's something about gathering together with others who struggle and, and battle the same kind of things that we do. But the Lord loves to use each of us to encourage one another. And when one person is struggling, maybe the Lord can use somebody else to, who's in a better spot to come alongside and encourage. And maybe the next week, maybe someone's feeling really encouraged and just in love with the Lord. And maybe someone else is struggling and the Lord wants to use you to come alongside that other person to encourage. Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Love for the Lord, but also love for one another. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
Increasing lawlessness causes love for the Lord to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and pursue love for the Lord. Do that by reminding your heart of God's love for you in the gospel and what Christ has done. And by continuing to gather together and encourage one another to grow in love. Secondly, increasing lawlessness causes love for others to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and pursue love for one another. Starting in verses 4. It says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all of the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. This is absolute evil. All of the men of the city coming to the home. And they were desiring to really to sexually abuse these men. And whether or not they knew it, it was similar to in Genesis chapter 6 when the spirits took on flesh and had relations with the women and they had children who were Nephilim. These were angels who had took on flesh and the men in that city were wanting to have their way with them. Absolute wickedness. Absolute evil. Romans 1, it highlights for us how they got to that place. Romans 1, starting verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, but God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So the evil that was perpetrated in Sodom started with very simply, they didn't honor God as God or give thanks to him. So everything else was a downstream of that one fundamental error, not acknowledging God or honoring him or giving thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to, wise, to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And that's what we see here with the men of Sodom, dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And that's, that's what we see happening there. 
And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And and that's what we see happening here in Genesis 19. But, But more than the the intensity of the wickedness of the men of Sodom, it's almost unbelievable to think about what happened next. Verse 6, Lot went out to the men of the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Well, that's good. He had some spiritual discernment that what they were doing was wicked and he's begging them to not do it. But it's interesting The solution he provides. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. A similar occasion and a similar situation to this happened in the book of Judges chapter 19. Where the men of the city came to this home where there was some some visitors staying in the home. And they were wanting to do the same thing that the men of Sodom were wanting to do to the angels. They were wanting to do it to that man. And, And their passions couldn't be held back. So what ended up happening is... They took that man's concubine and sent the concubine out to the the men of the city. They had their way with her, and in the morning she was dead. Which, if Lot would have had his daughters go out to them, would have been the same result to their lives. They would have been abused and mistreated and it would have led to their death. Can you imagine a father being willing to do that? To allow his daughters to go through that? See, not only had Lot's love for the Lord grown cold, his love for his own daughters had grown cold. He should have, he should have stood up and said, over my dead body. Instead, he was willing to send them out Verse 9, but they said, stand back. And they said, this fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. See, Lot thought that with all the compromises that he had made to get where he was in Sodom, that he would actually be accepted by the people of Sodom. But when push came to shove, actually, he never was one of them. And that's what happens for a believer. The more that we compromise with sin, we think that we're going to find a a community that accepts us as one of their own. But when push comes to shove and we aren't willing to be as wicked as them, they'll turn their backs on us. And that's what happened to Lot. He was willing to be Complicit in absolute wickedness by sending his daughters out, but that wasn't enough for the mad mob. And so they turned their backs on him. 
Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands. So the men being the angels who were inside, they reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. The Lord had his angels save Lot's life. This angry mob who were so caught up in the lust of their passion, it couldn't be dissuaded, even if these virgin daughters were given to them. Their passion, their lust, their debased mind could not be satisfied. And the Lord, in His mercy, provided salvation for Lot. Now think with me, to another mob many years later an- another mob that had one thing on their mind and they wouldn't be dissuaded in the book of Luke chapter 23 It says, this mob, but they all cried out together, away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. All of the horrors and all of the evil that this mob desired to do to the angels in Sodom. They were held back from But all of the horror and all of the evil that the mob desired to do to Jesus. They were allowed to follow through with. And think about our dear Lord Jesus who came and who endured the the flogging where they whipped him 39 times. And, and the punches and the spit and the degradation. And then when he was hung up on the cross, he was completely naked for the whole world to see. He was given over to the will of the mob. For you and for me. Out of deep, deep love. Greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. 
Lot wanted to force his daughters to give their life so the angels could live. Jesus gave his life freely. He surrendered himself to the will of the mob and he paid the full price for all of our sin. When he died on the cross and he was buried and he rose to life again, now his love must motivate us to love others as he has loved us. To be willing to give our life for others. Lot failed at that. Instead of being willing to to step up and give his life to protect not only the angels, but also his virgin daughters, he was ready to throw them under the bus. Jesus didn't do that. And by the power of his spirit, he will empower us to love others in that same self-sacrificial way. How is your love? How is your love not only for the Lord, but how is your love for one another? How is your love for your family? Lot's love for his family had grown cold. How is your love for your family? It's Mother's Day. We think about family. We think about our moms. How, How is your love for your mom? Mothers, how, how's your love for your children? Fathers, brothers, sisters, how is our love? Has it started to grow cold? Has the wickedness and, and the evil that surrounds us and is continually pressing in on all sides, has it started to not only cause our love for the, ro- the, the Lord to grow cold, but even our love for our own family to grow cold? But, but not even just our family. How about our church family? How is our love for one another? Are, are we at the place where we're willing to sacrifice things that are important to us in order to serve one another? And not only that, how is our love for the lost? Jesus was a friend of sinners. And he loved them. How is our love? And I want to encourage us and ask the Lord, highlight within my heart a place where my love is starting to grow cold. My love for you and my love for others. And as he does that, I plead with you and I urge each of us to confess that to him seek his forgiveness and by the power of his Holy Spirit and the motivation of the gospel where he loved us supremely ask him to empower you to love him and to love others And maybe you haven't yet trusted in Jesus alone and received his perfect love for you. Today is the day. Because no matter what you have done, no matter what sin you have committed, no matter what you have struggled with, he comes and he says, turn to me. Look to me, all the nations, and be saved. Look to him and be born again. And may his love cause you to love him and others. Increasing lawlessness causes love for the Lord to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and so pursue love for the Lord. And increasing lawlessness causes love for others to grow cold. Turn from this pitfall and pursue love for others. Father, I know this has been a heavy portion of scripture to you meditate on and to think upon. But Father, I pray that through all of this, that you will encourage our hearts to love you deeper and to love others deeper. Thank you for your great love for us. 
And we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.